0: Nigel Yeldon. Uh, morning to you, Nigel. How are you doing? Yeah, going well. Thanks, boys. Here we go. So Sam Whitelock locked in until 2023. Could you quantify the significance of the, the re-signing of Sam Whitelock for New Zealand rugby? Well, what
1: you have there is a um, another potential all-black captain that is re-signed through until the next World Cup. So I think that's the, the real big one for me is that he is committed to a full four-year cycle. But I guess the other thing is some of the detail that's come out in there as well. Yes, he's going to go play in Japan. He gets the Miss Super Rugby, but he is still available for the All Blacks that same year. The New Zealand Rugby Board has signed off on that. The other thing too, and it's the first time that I can remember seeing it in um, any of the, the literature that's come out with player re-signings, is the fact that they've acknowledged he has got exit clauses. So if for any reason he wanted to or form slumped or anything like that, then there is a possibility that he can exercise that exit clause and, and depart earlier. So I think maybe for me it's it's significant because of you know what he has been able to establish in terms of his playing career. He's one of the best locks in the world at the moment. I'd suspect by the time his career ends, we'll be talking about him as one of the best locks New Zealand and World Rugby has ever seen. It also secures a, a pretty key partnership in terms of Brodie Retallick um, having signed on as well. Oh, sorry, I shouldn't say sign on, but is likely to sign on that long term. So they're, they're, I think it's a really good signing for them because it also, when you look at Ben Smith departing, Kieran Reid departing, you know, those are two key guys in terms of your current captain and the guy who's been a vice captain before. It just locks in again, just solidifies that core leadership group. A little bit more as well, so I think it's a great deal.
2: I was kind of thinking of that um, release uh, clause before then, Nigel, and um, when we were having a yarn off here, before we thought it's kind of. Do you think that's almost like we could call it a Julian Savia clause now? The if you if your form drops off like that, hopefully we can get a French club to pick you up, kind of thing.
1: Yeah, I think it's a. Yeah, I mean, I'm sure that there were exit clauses or release clauses or that sort of thing with regards to Julian, but I guess it was more just a public acknowledgement. But mm. yeah, I, I think it's. Um, you know, Sam has shown and proven himself to be just so diligent. Um, so maybe it's also a way, you know, if there's other sort of um, factors, you know, maybe even a little bit of injury that may sort of have an impact as well. And he decides, well, look, maybe, I'm, I, don't, maybe I don't know if I'm going to be able to get through at the international level. Um, it just gives them options. Uh, but, yeah, you're right. Maybe there is a little bit of that there. But I think just the public acknowledgement that there is an exit clause in mm-hmm. there, um, I think, is an interesting one. But, yeah, I, you know, playing... Playing over in Japan, missing Super Rugby, yet still being eligible for the All Blacks. I think that's probably a a very interesting one again. Um, But as they do point out, it comes down to that long service. And, you know, there are these little things that they are doing. And New Zealand Rugby has been pretty consistent with this, that there is little rewards that they are using for those people who have shown... Good, uh, a high level and long service to New Zealand rugby to try and keep them in, because we know the sort of money a guy like Sam Whitelock would have commanded in Europe, in England, um, even in Japan. But I think it's a it's a, a a great way to be able to help win win the battle, as I know it keeps getting called by a lot of um, people to to keep these players in New Zealand, and and also as well, I think you know the Japanese market. Yeah, you can see the significance now of what, it, what it's meaning because you're going know, to be able to go over there, play, still play to a good level, still do the trading to a good level, but clearly I don't think get as beaten up and, and pounded like you do if you play in those European competitions. I think it's becoming more and more significant.
2: Our rugby mayor, Nigel Yeldon, is with us uh, right now. Nigel, um, you know, the All Blacks, one of the big selling points too is look at this history, look at this great team you can be a part of. And I had a look there and I thought, I'm wondering if they've said to him, hey man, if this all goes really well, right, pie in the sky, this all goes well, you could be at the end of 2023, the first guy to win four World Cups and you could have played 150 games for the All Blacks. If he achieves those, all right, pie in the sky, is that enough to have you talked about in the same sentence as Colin Meads, or would that still be sacrilege? Do you think?
1: Oh, I think it's. I think when you look at the way Sam plays the game, and you look at the way Colin played, and yes, they are in, in different eras, but I think we, we we can make certain comparisons. I think would Sam be spoken about in the same breath with Sir Colin Meads in terms of long longevity and status? Yes, probably. They play the game probably a little bit differently mm. um, but I think that it's uh, it's quite I think it is it is possible um, I mean if you're talking about though you know over 150 games and winning four World Cups you say you know surpasses Sir Colin Meads yeah. Jeez, if he does that you could argue Nato it's that he's got an argument to surpass one Richard Hugh yeah. <laughs> so you know but I mean we say the same thing about Brodie Ritalik. if Ritalik plays the game for that length of time do yeah. you start making the comparisons to Sir Colin Meads so yeah, you know, I think it's going to be harder because as these contracts are being signed and the players, they play so much more in terms of test match rugby than what Sir Collin did. And so, you know, they're going to rack up, as you say, 150 odd games. You know, some of these young ones who are starting could play for a long period of time. They could end up racking up 160, 170, 180 for heaven's sake. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, but you're right. They probably would, he would definitely come into a conversation and be mentioned in that particular regard.
0: So, what well, is it Retellick and Barrett now, the two big guys, that they have to try and get across the line?
1: Yeah, I think so. And I, I, I have a funny feeling you'll probably see sort of Bowdoin Barrett maybe at a similar sort of club to, to Sam Whitelock, given the fact that he does a bit of advertising for Panasonic as well. Oh. Um, I, I suspect you would see a very similar sort of a deal. Maybe even Brody and, and um, Bowden might have been sitting there waiting for a few of these sort of things. There's some really interesting ones still to be signed, Bowden. Uh, Brody Ritalik, you know what Geordie Barrett does, clearly New Zealand rugby have got quite a um, uh, an, an interest in him. He still hasn't re-signed yet, but you would suspect they'd want to pen him through till the next World Cup. Um, so there's a few others that we're just sort of looking, but you know, we've been talking a lot about all blacks and top-line players being re-signed and staying. Um, so New Zealand rugby clearly doing a really good job in, in making those offers that are attractive to them giving them, in the cases of those senior guys, opportunities to earn money, and then also with these younger ones as well, putting forward compelling cases. So I think you know, that ability to have you know, uh, players earning good sums of money means that there's a little bit of money they can save in the budget for that particular year, which maybe means spread out over the course of a two, three-year contract, they can offer a portion of that to other people, which maybe boosts some of that base salary for the players they want to sign Knowing that their big guns can go overseas and get big money, which, as I say, maybe offsets it a little bit, not being a,
0: a, a an
1: out and out accountant. Um, you know, maybe uh, I thought that could be quite a beneficial thing.
0: Well, certainly they're keeping the creme de la creme, aren't they? The absolute best of the best uh. that they're managing to keep. Dare I say, if they re sign Rattelic and Barrett, they probably don't want those guys sitting out the same super rugby season though as Whitelock. Like, you don't want all of those guys non-visible at the same time. I don't think that's a good thing. Mm.
2: Oh, but you know what I think. I think um, when you've got a clause that can keep them in, I mean, you know, you're know, you still blanket uh, signed to New Zealand, we'll let you go to Japan for a bit of comeback. That is still preferable to them disappearing off to the Leicester Tigers and never coming back again. Uh, In
0: other news, the All Blacks will fly to Japan two days after they play an afternoon test against Tonga in Hamilton September the 7th. They will have a training camp in Kashiwa uh, before returning to Tokyo a week before they play the Springboks in Yokohama September 21st. Big, long build-up in Japan for the All Blacks, although uh, New Zealand rugby stands to gain financially from an agreement uh, with the city of Kashiwa. Radio Sports 744, Whitelock in the can. What do you think? 5009. He's available to speak publicly just after 9am this morning